0: Good morning. My name is Trevor Allen. I am the uh, church planting apprentice here at Resurrection OC. Uh, for those of you that didn't know that, it's good to meet you. For those that didn't know that, that was kind of an unnecessary introduction. So here we go. Um, I'm looking forward to expounding God's Word again this morning with everybody. To, to be able to sit here and to worship and to sing and to pray and to confess and to bring in new members. It's so amazing that we can do this as God's people And now we continue our worship by hearing what Jesus has to say to us in his word. Uh, This is kind of a, just as a side note, this is a a one-off sermon. Uh, Last week, Pastor Bryce finished his uh, series, his three-part series on Revelation 4 and 5. And then I think the next series, we're going into the deep desert of the ancient Near East. So uh, stay tuned for that. But. This morning is a, a one-off sermon, so what we're going to do is we're going to actually start harvesting the fruit out of Matthew chapter 13. Uh, this is one of Jesus' parables that we're going to be reading. It is chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Um, have you ever thought about what a parable actually is? I, I know, like, you know we read the parables and it's recorded that I think uh, in the Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus spends one-third of His time speaking in parables. So if we ever actually thought about what a parable is, um, you know, if you ask 10 parable scholars, you'll get 12 answers, 12 very nuanced definitions. But I think for this morning, what we can do is look at a parable as a story with intent. It has an intention when the story is being told. Typically, the intention of the parable is to examine our individual affections. And it's to challenge our actions. So to put it another way, parables examine what we love and parables show us how we live it out by us hearing them it's kind of they ask things to us like this if you're in the kingdom of god what does your fruit look like uh if you were in the kingdom of god what does forgiveness look like in your life if you're in the kingdom of god what do your prayers sound like And and ultimately, they ask this big question too. This is the the parabolic question to end them all that examines our hearts: Are we in the kingdom of God? That is that is one of the questions that they ask us. So, flipping in your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter thirteen, verses one through twenty three. And when you get there, flip there, scroll there, however you uh, make it happen. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? From uh, Matthew chapter thirteen, verses one through twenty-three. Uh, this is a longer passage, so if it's if it's kind of tough for you to track, I would invite you to do what I do, and I usually shut my eyes and imagine the story playing in my head. However, you want to come along. Uh, it's Twenty-three verses. So, Matthew 13, 1 through twenty-three. Since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? As for that was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Please have a seat. Let's pray together. I didn't want to pray with you guys standing because that was a long stretch. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank You so much that You have given us Your Word, that You've shown us Your Word incarnate through Your Son, that Jesus, You came to this world and You taught us about the Kingdom of God. You showed us what the Kingdom looks like and what Kingdom activity and membership is how it's lived out. Lord, by the power of Your Spirit, we are able to hear Your Word and to fruitfully multiply our affections toward You and how they show in this world. Lord, I ask that You bless our ears this morning. Let us hear, Lord, for those that have hard hearts or ears that are full or uh, understanding that is, that is dull right now. Lord, I would ask that Your Spirit bless us as we hear Your Word. Let us love You more, Jesus, and let us live out uh, what You've called us to. We pray all these things in Your name. Amen. So, hearing this, you know, longer passage. This is uh, I could sit here and talk about the parables all day, and if you want to, we can. But I won't do that to you guys. Uh, I know we have lunch. So, but this morning, I don't want to look at the parables and start analyzing the seeds and the soils. What I want to look at this morning is the purpose of the parable itself. Basically. Uh, it'll help us to understand, too, how a parable works. There are things parables don't do, and there are things that parables do do. Uh, one thing that a parable doesn't do is the parable does not teach us by precepts. Basically, what that means is the parable doesn't tell us what we should do and then gives us a line-by-line line way of how to do it and how to accomplish these things. What parables do is they actually teach us uh, by intuitive examination, another way to put that is parables will challenge the affections of our hearts, and our reaction to hearing the parable is our living out it's, it's our uh, it 's the examination of our hearts, our affections. The parable shows us where our hearts are as we respond to the parable itself so if you know I had to boil this parable down into a single sentence, a single big idea that we Walk away with it. If I woke you guys up in the middle of the night and said, Hey, what was the sermon about today? This is the big idea that you can take away that the purpose of this parable is to examine our affections. I'm going to repeat that a couple more times uh, this morning, but parables are not meant to be uh, these illustrations, parables are not meant to be entertainment. But what parables actually do, the reason Jesus told them was to do heart surgery on us. What are your affections, and how do you respond to this news of the kingdom of God? The purpose of this parable is to examine our affections. Uh, If you would look with me at verses 1 through 9. What we're going to see is uh, Jesus addressing this crowd. Jesus is accessible. He makes Himself known. He sits and people gather around Him. And they know that it's okay and He accepts it. It says in verses 1-9, through That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And crowds gathered about Him so that He could go into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And He told them many things in parables, saying... A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them, and other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them and other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now Jesus tells this to a crowd of people. He uses this parable in this context with these people for a very specific reason. You can actually see as Jesus is telling the parable. If you have eyes to see, you can see that the parable is actually being played out in front of Jesus. As he's speaking, the parable is coming to life. All right. I, when we were in uh, South Carolina for three and a half years, I, I was a, a youth director at this church. And we had this, this ministry that basically we had uh, 17 high school guys would come to my house on Tuesday afternoons. And we would eat pizza, we would play football, and then we would have, you know, a Bible study. And so one Sunday, or I'm sorry, it was, yeah, Tuesday, we sat there and I taught this parable. But the way I taught the parable was not clap my hands, yelling at them to like, you know, sit down and shut their mouth. Like what I did was I tried to take a page out of Jesus's book. So what I did was I sat in the chair that I usually sit in. I opened my Bible and I just sat there and I sat there. Then the group noticed that I was ready to teach and then they started self policing each other like to shut up like he's going to talk right now. You know, like so everybody, they, they, they got quiet and they were calm and then their ears opened up and what I did was I taught the same way that Jesus taught in this way I said I spoke the first nine verses and then I didn't say anything else and then I I kind of cryptically said on purpose at the end he who has ears to hear let him hear and then I shut my mouth and I didn't say anything i wanted to see what would happen if the parable the way that it played out with jesus and his hearers would that happen even now today and it did there was a group of boys that got up because they couldn't take the five minutes of awkward silence and they went and got food out of our kitchen and they sat in there for almost the you know rest of the night There was another group of boys that started arguing over the parable. They said, this is what the parable is about. No, 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 you're stupid. This is what the parable is about. No, 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 this is what the parable is about. And then that argumentation actually turned and it transitioned to, no, this college football team is better. No, that college football team is better. So quickly, the word of God transitioned from trying to understand to the worries of this world. And then there was another group of boys that didn't even care at all. We had, uh, we'd have a phone pile. So basically everybody would pile their phones up on top of each other and they couldn't touch their phones while I was teaching. Uh, you know, one kid's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And he like grabs his phone and then, like takes off. So there were people that didn't even hear. But in this, in this chaos with everybody arguing and getting food and going to the bathroom and talking, I, still, I was still sitting there not saying a single thing. And these four boys come up, they grab their chairs and they come up and they sit next to me and they ask me a question like, Kevin, hey, why was Jesus so vague? Like why did he talk to the all like you have all these people? Why would he not do something better? Why did he talk to them this way? If you look at verse ten, the disciples actually ask the exact same question. It says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? With such a massive crowd of people that were clearly not committed to following Jesus, why would He use parables to speak to this crowd? Why would He not just speak plainly to them? The crowd assumes they understand. They think they know what this parable meant, so they didn't care. They didn't, they didn't want to go pursue Jesus. They didn't want to know more. They thought they got it, and so they walked away. Some forgot some people's hearts and affections turned toward Jesus in the moment, but then there was something else that, that they they didn't quite get, so they let it go. You see, the actions of the crowd embody these parabolic soils that we're seeing in front of us. The actions, you see the soils in the crowd as Jesus teaches them. And even for us today, how do we hear the parable? Because the purpose Of parables is to examine our affections. How is this parable examining our affections? I want to see, I want to look at Jesus' reaction to the disciples' question. So, verses 10 through 13 say this. This is how Jesus answers them. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Is that not a hard statement for us to reconcile? Like when, when Jesus says that? If if you're hearing this as a new Christian or as a seasoned saint or if you're a skeptic sitting in the room right now, Jesus' words right here are difficult to take in. It, it's 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 almost like it's not fair. You know, the, the initial response of my heart at least was this isn't fair. Why would he do that? If, and if we were bold enough to say it, like we, we would say, maybe we'd think it, but we wouldn't say it out loud. God's kingdom economy is messed up. Because why would those that have be given more, and why would those that have less have it taken away from them? So what is your reaction to the purpose of Jesus' parable? Right? How do the crowds respond to the parable? How do we hear the reaction, the purpose of parables? Do you try to reconcile Jesus' statement to make it less offensive? Do you try to make the Word of God fit your worldview? Do you uh, altogether reject what Jesus says as, as he speaks these purposes of the parables? Or is your phone in your pocket buzzing? And, or your you know, watch is lighting up and you don't even know what was said for the past 10 minutes? Family, even now as we read Jesus' words when He says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Your response will show the affections of your heart in this moment. As we hear the purpose of the parables, your response will show the affections of your heart shouldn't if jesus is the object of our christian affection we shouldn't our our parable response motivate us to run to jesus for explanation why did he say this Should we not go to His Word to seek out the purpose of His words? Why in the world would He go this route and say these words? Shouldn't it be that the practice of our lives should be to pray and to ask and to run to the One who is the object of our affection instead of trying to reconcile things ourselves or pushing hard things away? In fact, as we pursue Jesus in this life, our affections will grow more toward Him. The fruit of our faith will multiply as our affection toward Christ is strengthened. And how does our affection toward Christ grow? Paul says in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Don't forget our big idea this morning. That the purpose of this parable is to examine our affections. Jesus continues in His explanation of the parables as He quotes Isaiah uh, in verses 14-17. through He says, "...Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes." and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes for they see, and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Jesus speaks. And parables as he's showing the people that they either belong to in the kingdom of God, because as he speaks, he's the, the parable is examining their hearts. You belong to the kingdom of God because as you hear the words of Christ Himself, they are words of life. They're words of life that minister to your heart. Though they may be hard, these are words of life that minister to your heart. So when you hear the words of Christ, do you hear the words of life coming out? Or you do not belong to the kingdom of God because these, he says that these people are fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, that they are deaf and then they do not understand and they do not perceive because in Jesus' words, when they hear the words of Jesus, they do not hear life. They do not hear the life of God speaking to them. The parable's examination of the crowd is complete when the hearer reacts to the the parable. Because your reaction shows the affection of your heart. And ultimately, we need to remember that the purpose of this parable is uh, is to examine our affections. So we have to ask the question, what what about all of these people? Like, what about all these people that don't end up hearing? Uh, What are we to do? What about all these soils that won't yield any fruit? What about them? Right now, every person in this room, apart from the grace of God, we fall into this category of not being able to hear. We fall under the, the guise of not being able to understand. We cannot do this on our own. In fact, the way that God created us, he created us to understand. He created us to hear his words, to love his words, to hear them as words of life with true affection for him and for other people. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, when they heard these words, they were not satisfied with the fruit and they wanted more. They wanted better fruit. So what they did was they went and they did. They did not listen to the words of life and they sought their own fruit. They they took, these, they took fruit that they found on the ground and they tried to tape it to their trees, but that fruit went bad and it rotted and it fell off. They rebelled against God. They were not satisfied with the fruit of God. But even while we were sinning against God Himself, when, when Adam and Eve said, I'm going to rebel against you, I'm going to do what I want to do, and even as we do that, when we hear the words of God, when we hear the words of Christ... And we say, no, this does not match me. No, this does not fit my worldview. No, this doesn't fit my budget. This doesn't fit my vacation. This doesn't fit my anxieties or my fears. I'm going to push that off. Even as we were doing this to God himself, he came and he sent his son to redeem us. He came and He bore the fruit that we could not bear. Jesus lived the life that we could not live. And He bore fruit abundantly, over a hundred times, over a thousand times, infinitely. He bore the fruit of loving God and loving others perfectly. And in this, in this time of Jesus living this perfect life for us, His fruit is now accounted in my shopping cart. So when God looks at me, He sees the fruit of Christ overflowing in my life because it's the life of jesus that has now been accounted to me and god himself paid the debt of all my counterfeit fruit of all my makeshift fruit of all my rebellion jesus took away my debt he said that i'm going to take away all of your badness and i'm going to give you all of my goodness and on the cross he paid my debt My rebellion against God, he said, I am satisfied because my son has paid your debt. So I now have the goodness of Jesus. I now have the forgiveness of Jesus. And in the resurrection of Jesus, I now have eternal life. And we now have eternal life so that we can now bear fruit once again. We are not these inept trees that are going to be... Uh, barren for the rest of our existence no but because in the life of Jesus we now have eternal life and we can bear fruit once more and it's that he has gone to be with the Father he ascended he went to go have perfect communion with God once again and where Jesus is there I am also and there you are we are sons and daughters of the living God that bear fruit daily because of the grace of God and it's this, it's this story that we have. It's this understanding, this truth that God made everything and we broke it and Jesus fixes it. And now we have life in him eternally. This is it. And he's called us into his kingdom. How do we hear about this good news? How do we hear about this fruit? How do we hear about this life of Jesus and the satisfaction and the communion? We heard it through somebody preaching. We heard it through somebody teaching. We heard it through somebody speaking. We heard it through somebody praying. We had it with, Dan Hamlin told me about it back uh, 12 years ago. And in that moment, when I got to hear this fantastic news that I can bear fruit once again, and my fruit wasn't going to be whiskey and cigarettes and, and evil and anger for the rest of my life, I was blown away, ecstatic at the fact that God loves me and that He's called me to bear fruit with Him. And we as a church, our affections change. Individually, our affections change. What does it look like as a body of believers when our affections change? What does the world look like around us when our affections are for Christ and for others? This parable examines that, doesn't it? The purpose of this parable is to examine our affections. How do we respond to hearing about this kingdom economy of soils that don't bear fruit and what what somebody that's in the kingdom of God, that they do bear fruit? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Church, we have this opportunity, we have this joy to be able to share this gospel to see the fruit in our lives as the Word of God changes us, as we bear fruit in this world as, the world. as the Word bears fruit in our hearts, it will bear fruit in the world. So how do you hear the parable of the sower today? If, if you're not a Christian and you have questions, ask the questions. If you're like, I don't understand the meaning of the parable, I would say to you, do not delay trying to put off understanding this parable do not neglect right now this gospel this good news that you hear i would encourage you to ask somebody in this room that knows the lord jesus and i would say to you turn from your affections that will lead to death and counterfeit fruit and turn to the affections of jesus christ where life and a fruitful life will come from if you have more questions, I would, I would seriously encourage you to ask Jesus personally. I would encourage you to talk to a pastor, uh, somebody in this room that has been walking with the Lord. It, it, I guarantee anybody here will open up their house, will open up their time for a cup of coffee and a conversation. But what if you're a Christian here today and you don't feel useful? What if, what if you feel like you believe, but your affections have been misplaced? you feel like that you've not been yielding fruit recently remember that our affection christian is our affection toward christ himself that is where our fruit will be multiplied as our affection grows in who jesus is and what jesus has done that is when our fruit will be multiplied And we have the church, we have each other to share our burdens and to say, I don't feel this way and I know I ought to. Will you pray for me? Will you meet with me? Will you come alongside of me? We have this fruit that we can bear with one another. When my cart's low, I hope Jason shares some of his fruit with me so that I will be encouraged and strengthened. I would urge you to run back to Jesus. As a Christian, I would encourage you to run back to Jesus. Run back to His Word. Run back to the fellowship of the saints. Run back to praying. Run back to this sweet repentance that says, Lord, I've been trying to bear false fruit for my own agenda. Will you take my confession? And He says, Amen. Praise God. I've done it already. You can say, God, forgive me. Thank you. And you can leave the comma out. You are accepted. Jesus is accessible to us. As we see in the parable, He's accessible to the crowds after He tells the parable, and He's accessible for explanation afterwards, but only the disciples go to Him. So, as your affections are twisted, if they are, and you're overwhelmed with grief, and Jesus doesn't feel accessible to you, if your affections for Jesus have been buried by anger, if they've been buried by fear, or anxiety, or mistrust, or contempt, Or performance, I would urge you to renew your affections, renew your mind by asking the Spirit to minister His word to the soil of your heart, that you would multiply and bear much fruit for the sake of Jesus, that others would be able to hear and to bear more fruit. If you've noticed, though, that we have not actually gone through the last section where Jesus explains everything. So if you'd look with me, Verses 18 through 23, we'll go through this very quickly. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the explanation that Jesus gives to us. If we have the spiritual eyes in this room, if we could see when the word of God goes out, not just in this room, but all over the world, can can you see the crows that come and perch on the shoulders of those that hear the word? And as they're it's almost this daunting picture of the crows are picking the seeds off the top of their head. These, the Word of God that's gone out. Or the proverbial vine that is growing up underneath the chairs and the pews of people sitting in the congregation that are hearing the Word today. The vine that grows up and it goes up the side of the leg of the chair and it finally wraps around the person that hears the Word. and it, And the Word is choked out right there because... They're more concerned about other things than the very words of life. My hope for us right now, and for every Sunday, and for every community group, and every Bible study, and every lunch, and every personal reading that we have, and every reflection time and meditation moments that we have on God's Word, that we would be warned and strengthened in our affections toward Christ. That is as we look to Jesus, as we pursue this accessible Jesus, this parable telling Jesus, that our affections would grow toward Him. No matter where we are in our life, no matter the season, I would pray that our affections grow in Christ as a church. And that we would be able to multiply and to share fruit so that we would yield as a church 30, 60, and 100 fold. That we would love God. That we would commune with the body of Christ. That we would care for those that need care. And that we would be indiscriminate seed sowers. That we would throw the Word of God out wherever we go. So remember this week, church, that the purpose of this parable is to examine our affections. Would you pray with me? Lord, we cannot understand Your Word apart from the power of Your Spirit. We do not have the intellect, we don't have the athleticism, we don't have the looks, we don't have the bank accounts to understand the kingdom economy that you put before us here, Jesus. But I would pray that you would push us toward you. That our affections would be warmed and that we would grow in our understanding of who you are, Jesus. That we would love you more. And this is only possible by the power of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, make Your Word known to us. Let these seeds of the Word go deep into good soil this morning that we would well up and multiply our fruit for Your glory and for our good. We pray all these things in Your name, Jesus. Amen.